0: Oh, me, oh, my. Look
1: at that bitch. What's up, everyone? This is Josh from the Smalley Talk podcast got my bro Chris Vaughn across the virtual world what's up Chris
2: hello those intros get worse and worse just so you aware,
1: i was i was <laughs> off but i do it yeah, i do, i kind of do it as bad as i possibly can i mean like right. you know, it's just you're like bruce fluffer you're awful at it, <laughs> as, as opposed to Bruce Buffer. I, I is that I yeah, exactly, <laughs> Bruce Fluffer. And
2: I don't know why we don't just let me do it. But but uh, you, honestly,
1: honestly, dude, uh, I'm, th- I'm 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 thrown off my game for a couple reasons. One, uh, we recently just went swamp fishing. And I lost a seven hundred and fifty dollar combo. Man. Literally flew out of the boat. Um, I, yeah. it was pretty bad. And two, we have. A guess on the other line has probably got me a little flustered. I'm I'm not gonna lie, it maybe maybe the highest profile guide or gu- or fisherman that we've had on the pod, and uh, you know just to give him a little introduction. This dude literally just fished the Bassmaster Classic, finished seventh place. Is that right?
0: 7th place yeah little yeah. local
1: tournament known
2: as the bass master yeah. classic yeah just a little one uh yeah. what were J- there three, how many boats were in that 3 four, ten, yeah like, like 12 or 13 <laughs> if i remember. Yeah, right yeah
1: yeah so jay is it Shakira is that how you
2: that's pretty close that? yeah Shakira uh let me Shakira. oh it, okay all right. I All was right. going to I was going to guess as a current. So no. um, oh. what's the yeah. worst you've ever heard your
0: name pronounced?
2: Like, oh, at, at man.
0: A way in. <laughs> oh you don't have to name names,
2: but <laughs> no, I won't name any names, but it's very
0: common. Prez, 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 pres yeah, that's pretty common. Like they, tra- <laughs> they just yeah. look at it, they Yeah, just look right. at the
2: card in front of him and like just kind of like jay it? come on He's up here. Spell it out, yeah <laughs> jp
1: yeah yeah uh well welcome to the pod dude uh it's awesome to have you on we uh you know i was i went to the classic for the first time mm. um it was sort of a a sympathy trip that my wife let me go for an hour at the expo because we were going down to gatlinburg on vacation um but yeah i was uh there talking with some dudes and I asked a, a buddy of mine if he had your information, and he he sent me sent it to me, and I'm like texting texting you the other day for the first time, and I was like, I don't know if this dude's gonna be like, who the heck is this? <laughs> no, like I, I I, I'm not even gonna respond to him. So, but luckily, man, you you responded. So, so welcome to Smalley Talk, Jay.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to talk yeah. about some smallmouth fishing. Heck yeah,
2: dude. Yeah, man. We were looking. I was. Uh, Josh is very like this podcast i mean we you know this is very free-flowing like we don't we don't plan our episodes really or like plan what we're going to talk about yesterday josh was like hey uh we should really game plan for interviewing jay tomorrow i was like dude (laughs) you are so gay right now dude you are (laughs) (laughs) way off ramp. like we can't i don't know what you're what you're driving at but uh but anyways, he kind of sent me a little bit of... He sent me a bio on you. It's ridiculous. It oh, gosh. Um, hey. Pretty Ooh. cool, man. Like, uh, the the first thing that pops up when when you Google your name is how you were a 23-year-old Bassmaster Elite rookie, and you were the first person to break into the Century Club with all smallmouth. Is that yeah, a, right?
0: That's, uh, that's, that is correct, yeah. I'm still... Kind of on cloud nine about it because who knows if that'll ever happen again. But that is a true statement. Yes,
2: that's pretty yeah. crazy, man. Where where was that? Where where did that happen?
0: So that happened on the St. Lawrence River last year in July, and uh, that was also my first ever time to the St. Lawrence River. Um, conditions were perfect for a smallmouth beat down in that tournament. Uh, just based on wind and everything and we were allowed to run into lake ontario for that tournament as well so and everybody knows that's where you know all the biggest fish live is in the lake because people can't fish them half the year it gets super rough out there and things like that and fast forward to the end of the tournament um ended up catching over 100 pounds of smallmouth for four days and still still thinking about it and uh we're going back this year, so I'm even more excited to to try and do it again, but I know it's gonna be completely different,
1: yeah that's dude i I was telling you before we started recording that I was watching that uh I was watching that tournament, and like I you know you you caught it was like hundred and two pounds and some odd ounces, so what was that like a five a little over a five pound average right
0: yeah it would have yeah it would have been just a little over that or whatever. Yeah, five and a never, quarter.
1: I've never seen so many dudes tossing back four pound smallmouth without even weighing them. Mm-hmm. It was wild. I mean, yeah. guys, and I mean, you can talk about Harry catching them, but you know, it's obviously St. Lawrence. You're, you know, you're sitting on top of them, you know, in deeper water, and like with spinning gear, most mostly. And they would just be coming up, and that you you could see them like halfway, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's not five pounds." <laughs> Throw it back. Yeah so, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Talk about that experience. Like, just I I couldn't even imagine.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'll go in depth a little bit on kind of what happened in that tournament. So practice was very good to me. Um, the first day of practice, I found a shallow area that I actually. Never caught any fish on in the tournament um, just because the wind changed and the currents change out there. But the first time I ever dumped my boat in, I found this one shallow spot. I caught like 25 or 26 pounds off of it, and I knew it was going to be a special week um, from that point forward. So fast forward to day two of practice. Day one was okay. I mean, I found a couple areas, nothing crazy. Um, Day two is when I found um, my winning spot. So it was rough on day two. It was, it was pretty bad. And this is practice we're talking about. And so I make it to this area that I wanted to go look at and everybody knows where it was, It was at the mouth of the black river. And, uh, I make it out there and I find this area, um, specifically I was side imaging and then I was also using a mixture of live scope. But at the time when I found the area, it was so rough that, uh, I couldn't hardly even fish. I could, stand up on the front deck and I was taking waves over the bow, but I could see all the fish, you know, on the forward facing sonar and doing that deal. So I decided to come back that evening when it calmed down a little bit. And when I dropped down that evening, there was like a one foot chop in there and I was able to move around. And, uh, that's when I caught, I don't know what it was, but it seemed like it was every other cast. I'd catch one that was between five and six pounds. And I think after my fourth, fourth or fifth fish that I caught, I was like, I got to get out of here, and this is yeah. where I'm going to start. This this is where I'm going to start the tournament. Like I was, I'm yeah, like, I'm going to start the, here. Let those boys rest.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, I don't
0: know where these fish if they're going to move because you know I've never fished this area. Um, I knew the area was good just because of the water clarity and the amount of bait fish that were around um, on a Great Lakes. Majority of that system is. Uh, very clear. I mean, you can see 20 feet down. The area I was actually found, you could see maybe about three feet down in that area, um, which is pretty uncommon for the St. Lawrence River and you know just that general area. And I think that's that's probably why the big fish were there, just because you know they couldn't feel it, they they didn't move around as much because they couldn't see me as much, and I could be right on top of them. Hmm. So fast forward to day one, I get to that area, and there's nobody around there's, I don't, I don't see a boat within a mile of me. And, you know, I'm one of the later boats in, in the flight too. So I'm getting out to the lake. Now this is 40 miles from takeoff, roughly 35 and put down a short run. Yeah. I mean, it was a good, it was a good jog. And so I get over there, put the trolling motor down and start looking around and there's like, not much going on. Like it's very, and this is the exact waypoint that I found them on, on, in practice when it was windy. Now I kind of figured this was going to happen. And it usually does happen when the wind shifts and the current shifts and stuff like that. But so I spent like 30 minutes looking for them and 30 minutes went by. I happened to look over my right hand shoulder and like, as I'm looking over my right hand shoulder, probably about, I don't know, 40 or 50 yards out deeper. Now I was in like 15 foot of water, 50 yards to the right of me was like 18 foot. And a fish had jumped. I didn't know if it was a drum, or if it was a carp, if it was a smallmouth. It sounded like a bass jump, like you know, something came up and hit a bug or something. So, you know, curious me, I go over there and start looking because I'm trying to find the same school that was here. And uh, when I looked down on my live scope, there was there was fish from where that fish jumped. There was fish all the way from five feet under the surface to about 18 feet on the bottom, and it was a mixture of. Smallmouth, drum like the whole nine yards there's probably walleye in there and when i threw out my first cast i had about six of them like came and were chasing my drop shot to the bottom and one hit it before it even fell to the bottom and it was like a five and a half pounder and i caught my 26 something in like 30 minutes there and they they all came underneath the boat and it was it was over in like 30 minutes and i was like I kind of thought maybe I had found the winning area, but I wasn't sure yet because they had just moved from practice. So, um, from that point forward, I mean, after day one, I, I didn't fish those fish the rest of the day. And fast forward to day two, I go back there and they got smart pretty quick. Um, it wasn't easy to catch them like it was on day one. I caught two big ones right away. And then the rest of them were I say they were small, but they were the ones you don't really want to weigh in, the four to four and a half pounders, which for that tournament, (laughs) yeah, right. I know. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Like you're looking at a four and a half pounder in the live well and you don't even want them. (laughs) It's crazy. So I had to go to a different spot that I had found um, during practice as well. Now, this was a spot that I didn't think was very good. Um, I thought it was maybe a limit spot or somewhere I could catch around 20 pounds. And when I pulled up there, this was a shallower area, and I could see the fish with my eyes. Um, it was sunny that day on day two, and I pulled in there, and lo and behold, they were a lot bigger than I thought they were. And I caught a five, a couple of five and a halves, and left there, you know, within an hour with another big bag on day two. And I did the same things on day three and four. Um, I started in my primary area in the dirtier water. Um, caught what I could catch there the fish were still getting smarter each day that went by and then I'd go to my fish that I could see with my eyes in like six to ten foot of water I'd say it was and on day three particularly that was the toughest day of the tournament and it showed for a lot of guys um, that were in the top ten a lot of guys had lower 20 bags that day and I ended up catching a fish that was almost seven pounds that day which helped me get, you know, almost to 25 pounds. And, you know, without that fish, I don't know if I would have won the tournament. So there was that other spot that helped me with my primary area. And then I did the same thing the final day. I went to my primary, uh, caught what I could. It was like 23-ish, I think. And then I went to my secondary spot and and filled out my, my limit for over 25 pounds. And the rest is history.
2: That's crazy, man. Just think, yeah, like, one one fish jumping, how big of an impact
0: that. Yeah. I mean, you probably would have found them eventually, but. Yeah, I mean, I felt like I definitely would have found them, but yeah, just like small things like that, that people don't, people might not, you know, they might not think it's something that's that crazy. Like, oh, a fish just jumped over there, like whatever, you know, I'm just trying to find the fish that I found. But yeah, I guess just me being curious and knowing kind of the area that I was around and. Um, the depth that the fish jump happened to go look and there they were. Yeah. That's, that's
1: wild. Like I, you know, seven pounds smallmouth for most people is like, you know, that's fish of a lifetime. Most people even wouldn't catch that unless you're, you know, fishing in the right. great lakes yeah. or something. But to get that in a tournament is like, that's probably just the wildest like feeling in the world to catch a giant like that. So that muddy water that right, we'll say muddy, dirtier water mm. that you were fishing was that caused by the mouth of that river? That yeah, so
0: that was caused by the Black River. Um, okay, whatever the water that comes out of the, or they call it the Black River, so it's like darker water. Um, it mm. spills out into the lake, and it, when you turn the corner out of the Black River, it cleans up. But inside the Black River, it's it's a little bit dirtier. Now I don't know. I still to this day don't know because I have whatever it is, like seven days on Lake Ontario to my name. So I don't know like how that whole ecosystem works out there. Like if it ever gets cleaner, if it ever gets dirtier, you know, Those what dirty the wind then, does to That's it. all that yeah, matters. right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, it's sort of, a, you know, for us, you know, uh, you know, we were talking before, but we're like smaller, medium-sized river guys. And, you know, that is – it translates to the same – thing you know we talk about you know smallmouth and like stealth is a big deal to us like especially big fish they're just like they're smarter than Mm -hmm. the smaller fish and if they see something that's off like even noise if they hear you know they hear noise they see a shadow like they're gone and that's a little bit underrated for us is a lot of guys see dirty water and they're they like are like man i don't you know it's hard to catch fish but I'm like, man, that just it, it for the bigger fish, it makes them dumber, you know, because they just yeah, don't really have does. the ability. Yeah. yeah. So I like fishing muddy water unless it's super cold. Then I don't like muddy yeah. water. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that's awesome, man. And uh, so you fish the classic. We just talked about that recently. I was a little disappointed. I'm not gonna lie. You were chasing largemouth, so no, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I was like, "Bro, bro, come on, <laughs> man! You got me, you got me catching smallmouth." But what was crazy are are you buddies of Jeff Gustafson then?
0: Uh, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't say we're super close, but we talk, and you know, okay. I can cons- I consider him a friend. He's a very nice guy, and we just haven't talked yeah. a ton because I've only been on the Elite Series for a year, so and he's yeah. you know from. The Arctic, yeah, so. long time,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so did that burn a little bit that he did that with smallmouth? Where you're, yeah, like, but heck, I mean, man?
0: it it definitely because going into practice, like when I was at home, like preparing for it, like I had all my smallmouth stuff on, like all my Dymeky rigs and everything, like rigged up, and like I was probably the first five hours of the first day of practice where I was like looking hard and looking hard and like just nothing like nothing was happening i did catch one four pounder in practice but it was kind of a fluke deal and uh man i looked really hard and i think after the first day you know i looked that hard i i dabbled with some largemouth the first day of practice caught a couple keepers and then day two i tried smallmouth again right away for like a few hours and like nothing and i'm like you know you start doing the math in your head like you know, if I waste the rest of day two doing this and then day three comes and it, the conditions were getting way worse. Like now it might've helped the smallmouth stuff, but not like efficiently fishing them. Like when it's blowing, you know, as hard as it did in practice and just sideways rain and you're trying to like find areas, it's not very easy. So yeah, just Mm. not having the prior knowledge. And that's not something we do a ton of out here. Um, you know, Jeff does it a lot where he's from, the whole Demiki deal. But, like, honestly, where I'm from, um, that's not like a huge deal by us. We don't have, you know, we have more gobies and crayfish and bottom base mm-hmm. feeders. And, you know, we don't have all the, the crazy forage that he has up there that they do. I, it does work on um, the bay by me and doing things like that. But uh, he has way more experience with it than I do, which obviously it showed. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely. Disappointed, I didn't find any of them, but <laughs> I well, I, I mean, do, seventh yeah. place,
1: dude. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a freaking classic. Like, I'm sure right. you dreamed of that as a kid, you know. That's I did, like, yeah, it was ju- just it was a fishes. yeah, dude. Like, just oh, yeah, fish, it's wild. And then, you know, seventh place, dude, that's amazing. So, that I that had to feel a little like you know, like it kind of solidified what you did, you know, at St. Lawrence, you know, getting yeah. seventh of the classic, right.
0: Yeah, I mean it definitely it felt like I could do more than just catch the smallmouth, you know. Like mm-hmm. maybe just to people like I can catch more than just smallmouth, like <laughs> That's right. all
2: right. So, so we're yeah, cool with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean I think the the idea though for longevity and for purposes of your career is to show that you can do a lot of different right. things well. Right. You can right. you can go to into any ecosystem, any environment mm-hmm. and fish for whatever needs to be fished for and and perform. Right. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people I think showed up there with the intention of, of trying to do what, um, what Jeff did. And Lots I think, people,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, that was pretty crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. just, I mean, he, his first two days were, you know, to catch that many 18 inch fish was pretty, pretty impressive when yeah, people really impressive. weren't able to find, you know, any small mouth that were willing to eat. That's pretty crazy yep so so you kind of brought up your home waters you're from mm-hmm. wisconsin is that right
0: yeah so i'm from central wisconsin so like i said earlier like we fishing for largemouth and fishing for smallmouth, we didn't have the damiki stuff we like i'm a river guy growing up like i didn't have uh the great lakes the great lakes were introduced to me particularly sturgeon bay which is about two hours from my house Um, you know, that was introduced when I was like 13, 14, 15, when I could, you know, withstand the big waves and the rough conditions out there because it's not necessarily safe. Um, but yeah, the river stuff is the way I cut my teeth fishing specifically the Wisconsin river system.
2: We've, we've, uh, how many times, how many trips have we made to the Wisconsin Josh? Maybe like six or seven.
1: Yeah. I think we've been up there. I was telling him, we, we got to, Uh, Well, let's not say say exactly (laughs) where we go. It's kind of a fragile environment up there. Uh, But yeah, it's like, you know, when we go, so, you know, we're in Indiana, as everybody knows, but it's like, you're like, oh yeah, Sturgeon Bay is like two hours from my house. Well, we had to drive two hours for like the only like jet boatable river in our, you know, state. So it's like. You guys have so much water up there. It's crazy. Anytime we fish, like that's really where we we tend to go. North Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Um, we we love to go up to um, like the Upper Mississippi River. We do that a lot, mm-hmm. which is a cool thing. And Chris and I have a a trip, little secret trip planned to uh, yeah. little river called the Susquehanna, buddy. You pumped for that?
2: Yeah, I am. I. I had to. I broke the news to my wife. It's happening. So just just tonight, huh? Yeah. Just tonight, yeah. <laughs> oh, Josh, okay. and I, so just just to recap a little bit, Josh and I did go fishing a couple days ago. It sucked. It was horrible. Um, Josh lost a seven hundred dollar rod, and also I committed a grievous grievous error. Oh, you airing in yeah. this, dude? <laughs> I might as well, dude. I'm already in enough hot water about it. <laughs> oh, so. My. so we're out on the water i get a phone call from my wife she's talking to me about something fairly benign and i put the phone back in my pocket after our conversation Mm. is over and then (laughs) and i don't i don't i i told my wife this at josh will confirm i'm not a shit talker on my spouse at all okay I will will say that's
1: true. That's accurate.
2: I I love my wife. We have a great marriage. She's my best friend. Whatever. I I don't have anything to complain about. But for some reason, I let let a few, like, not disparaging comments, but just things you wouldn't really want your wife to, like, hear you say. Okay? Yeah. (laughs) And not, like, bad. It wasn't like I was slamming (laughs) on her or anything like that. I just sort of said some (laughs) things, like... You know that normal guy, like venting, you know a little bit or whatever. Turns out I didn't hang the phone up.
0: Oh no! So she listened to
2: about five minutes of me going on about. It was cooking. I was talking about her cooking. All right, and it wasn't. It wasn't ideal. All right, so so Josh oh, and I, I get a text like thirty minutes later. It says, "You didn't hang up the phone. You're a jerk." I'm like, what could she be talking about, dude? I have no clue. <laughs> and then the light bulb went off, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> what is? Uh, I know dude, exactly. Dude, Chris thought he was about. he
1: was he was going in for an execution when he went home, dude. That oh, yeah, you man. were, I you were so nervous on our way home. It was like I was
2: driving like 95. Josh is like, <laughs> slow down, you're gonna kill us. So anyway, yeah, so I get home. You were. I get home. Everything's you know everything's fine it's it's it I definitely ate ate some crow I ate some shit for it I would say for a couple you know for the last couple of days but the first thing I said whenever I got in the car and realized what I had done was uh I looked over at Josh and said hey I'm not recording a podcast tonight <laughs> after oh, I finished all, <laughs> all day yeah. and then we were gonna record a podcast and I'm like I'm not recording tonight, buddy. This is Chris
1: I, I apologizing why we canceled the other night. This, so. Oh, yeah. this is
0: funny.
2: Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was it's like, uh, if I if I fish all day, did that, and then record yeah. a podcast, it's over. It's bad. It's a bad <laughs> deal. So, so anyways, <laughs> um, it was a good time. I, I just I figured I might as well just put it out there because, like I That's said, funny. Uh, and then I. So I had to tell her. I had to tell her yesterday that the trip to the Susquehanna is happening end of the month. Looking forward to it. Have you ever been out out uh, to the Susquehanna, Jay?
0: No,
1: I have not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why That's... would you if you were from Wisconsin? There's true. <laughs> literally so many places of freaking fish around there. Um, yeah.
0: So you consider <clears throat> yeah, we're, like we're pumped about like it.
2: your home waters are upper like lower Wisconsin, upper Wisconsin.
0: Uh. I, I don't know what you consider the upper, but I guess it's like before it feeds into the Mississippi, like probably oh, yeah. two hours north of there. And then like okay. anything up up north, like what I call up north would be like two hours north of me, you know, almost to Michigan. There's some stuff up there, but it kind of peters out once you get to a certain point. But yeah, for the most part, like the Wisconsin rivers, I have a lot of hours out there. I've Mm -hmm. seen a lot of, cause it kind of
2: turns from like, you know, the upper sections are pretty rocky, like a rocky substrate. Uh, And then eventually I think like below the dells maybe, or somewhere around the dells, it kind of turns into like a little bit more of like a sandy, sandy substrate.
0: A lot of the places I fish are, they they call them flowages because it's where the Wisconsin dumps into a flowage and it forms a lake basically. And that's where we have a lot of our tournaments. So that's where I, you know, that's where I cut my teeth learning how to tournament fish. Was on all these Wisconsin river flowages around the house, um, a couple inland lakes south of me, and obviously the Mississippi River. But um, yeah, a lot of those flowages and things like that are where I learned to river smallmouth fish and you know tournament fish.
1: Isn't that where the Black Earth angling guys are? They're like the fly guides, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're they're like
2: they're like south. They're like. In the lower portions, I think. Are they? Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, well, familiar. you know, I was actually curious to ask you, Jay, like, because we do a lot of, like, our rivers here are pretty much all free-flowing. We do fish, like, a couple tailwaters. Um, but, like, in an environment where you have, like, connected, you know, rivers and lakes, like, what do you, like, specifically the Wisconsin River, What what do you see as, like, the like seasonal migration of smallmouth from like the river system to the lakes. Like what, what's like the general rule of thumb for that?
0: Yeah. So like right now, uh, I guess I could tell like more of a real life situation. So like right now I actually just fished a tournament, which this is the earliest we've ever had a bass tournament here in central Wisconsin. I fished one on Sunday and the water temps were 35 degrees and people actually caught them. Like we caught them pretty good. Um, it was a three fish limit, majority, everybody almost caught a limit and the winners had 11 and a half pounds. We had just under 11 and a half pounds. Um, I mean, it was, it was a good tournament and basically the whole migration pattern of how it works is, so we were catching and wintering and this is the system we fish. Um, I consider it a river system, um, because there's a river that feeds into it. It's really shallow, a lot of current. Uh, it's very similar to the Wisconsin, And, you know, it has a main lake basin, which is where most of the fish were caught outside of the river. And I believe that the migration route of a smallmouth on a river is that they they'll run up a river system like before they even spawn. And I don't know why that is or like why they do it. Um, I catch a lot of pre-spawn fish on the Wisconsin, like in some raging current. Um, before they even spawn and then when they're going to spawn they'll come back down and they'll spawn in the first you know the first little backwater the first current seam or the first you know the first eddy that they see um that's kind of the migration in the springtime and then the further you know the summertime comes along and things like that um they kind of just spread out and they get a lot harder to catch, especially on the lake portions of the river, just because they have so many places to hide. You know, one could sit mm-hmm. in eight foot of water on a, on a rock or a stump or whatever he's sitting on. And one could sit in, you know, on the bank on a tree or whatever, but it's, it gets trickier in the summertime. The springtime's a lot easier to pattern them just because of the current and, you know, spawning areas generally the same summertime it gets difficult which is when we usually have our tournaments and uh you know the guy that usually wins usually finds something pretty unique especially nowadays with the whole all the live scope and everything else like there's a lot of you know back when I used to start fishing all these team tournaments especially on the river lakes a lot of guys would just beat the bank um for smallmouth particularly like fishing docks um you know doing things like that because a smallmouth on a river, he still likes to live shallow, even though there's no current or anything. And, uh, Mm -hmm. but a lot of guys are starting to figure out now that there's more than just, you know, three feet of water and and skipping a sink under a dock, um, to catch a smallmouth. So, and then Mm -hmm. migration towards the fall, it might be different around different, different areas, but for the most part on the river, um, the fish go shallow and the current starts to turn up again when we have a little more rainfall in the fall. And then, they usually go to their wintering holes around me very early in the year. Um, I've seen them in their wintering holes as early as like October, November. And, you know, they'll sit there all winter until we just started catching them last Sunday. So
1: Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, Cause when we go up there, we go, we've been in spring and I think in summer, right, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I went once in September, but, we fish like the free flowing sections of the Wisconsin mm. and though they're all connected to flowages and lakes. And, but I, there's like a percentage of those fish that live like they're like resident right. river fish. Yeah. They stay in that kind of like fast, you know, stuff, which, you know, if you look at that, it's like, it's pretty plentiful with forage and, you know, cover and stuff. They have to fight current. You know, that's probably the only right. downside for them, But yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, some of them that, you know, you know, move down into the mm-hmm. the lakes. I just wonder if some of those river fish, if they all go to the lakes in the wintertime or if it's just
0: like, some yeah, of them do you? I feel like a lot of them do. A lot of them will. I mean, they I've seen a lot of the smallmouth around me will travel a long ways in the summertime up the tributaries, you know, as far as they can go, um, in that current. And then, you know, once fall comes, guys will start catching them again. And they haven't caught them all summer in that specific region of the system. And that specific region is the lower end most of the time. And it's when the fish usually finally start coming down. Um, they'll set up on, there's like specific pieces of structure that the Wisconsin used to be like a big, uh, like a big logging river. So they used to have these big booms in the middle of the river that guys would stand on. Isn't it
2: called uh, America's hardest working river? Isn't that the. Yeah.
0: Like there used to be these huge, uh, they call them booms. I don't know if they call them something different now, but you know, people would stand on them in the middle of the river when they drain the river down to feed the logs around and do all that. So a lot of those fish, when they come down in the fall and in the winter, you know, that's just the perfect place for them to sit and, and winter when, you know nobody messes with them and then they go back up and do their deal again in the spring and the summer and do it all over. Hmm. That's cool, man. Uh, so
2: do you um do you still I mean this is like your your job, right? I mean you do this. I mean you're on the grind right now. So yeah. Like when you have time off, do you do you find enjoyment still going out and and fishing and
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Do you? I love I love fishing. I used to go I say I used to, but I still do, but I used to go like, so I, when I worked, I worked and then went to a tech school for like two and a half years and then still worked for a couple years after that. And like any time, like if it was just two hours after work, like I was out on Wisconsin, just catch three or four and then put the boat on the trailer. Um, it didn't matter if it was off the same spots that I fished the whole week or I was always trying to find something new too. Um, I'd always just pick a new area, fish it for two hours that evening, even if I didn't catch a fish. Um, yeah. Being on I mean, the water. I'm sure, was... I'm
2: sure that there are times when it feels like work though, right? Like, you know, the, yeah, the times I mean, when, when you, when the conditions are bad and you know, yeah. it's not going your way and you're like,
0: well, particularly, go and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> particularly like the last practice day of the classic when it was. <laughs> If that was bad. That was a bad day. Dude. My god. That was
1: just tough fishing, man. Like
0: I yeah. can I still Wait. cannot
1: believe Jeff caught two fish and you know ended up winning. Like I I, I can imagine. I told my wife the anxiety like, we were, he had
2: to have been going through to, to just like <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. a, I'm like winning. All I got to do is catch Then a I got solid two. Night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah.
1: He didn't even I mean, have to I'd... catch a solid bag. Like I was like, no. I told my wife when we, he when they were launching, we were watching it on TV, or I was on my phone watching it, and I was like, they were interviewing him on the boat, and I was like, you, you know, the feeling of like, it's like you know, in the beginning of the tournament, it's you know, kind of like whatever, you know, it's like if I do well, yeah, I do right. well; if I don't, like you mm. know. But you're like leading for mm. two days. You have all that pressure. He has a pretty big, sizable lead. It's like. He knew if he could just go catch five keepers, like smallmouth, largemouth, whatever, that he like could wrap this thing up. Mm. And he, I was like, the pressure mm. to like know that you have to
2: go do mm. that—that's yeah. probably insane. I mean, like, you probably felt that on day four of your St. Louis oh, yeah. tournament, right? For I mean, sure. to just be like, I hope and pray to God that they're still there. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, if I, mean, I show you know, up if they're not there. there, what am I gonna do? <laughs> That's crazy, man.
0: <laughs> like, catch 25 every day, and then all of a sudden go out and catch 20? Like, that just – that ain't – Yeah, that yeah was, right. that was... <laughs> only
2: 20, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, that's – so how close were, like, going into day four, how much of a lead did
0: you have? It you wasn't remember? a lot. I think it was, like – it was probably, like, two pounds. Oh, wow, like that. that's not much. Which is yeah. still – it's still a decent amount for what was happening yeah. that week. I mean – if I were to catch 25, the guy in second had to have 27-something. So it's like – I mean, that's – once I got to the 25-and-a-half, I was like, now the guy in second's got to have almost 28. And I'm like, mm. oof, like, he earns it if he get, you know what I mean? It's like – which Corey yeah. caught a big – he caught that huge bag on day four. Um, but he was, you know, he was still down there a little bit more anyway. So yeah. somebody did I'm catch sure a big that's... bag, but, yeah, it mm-hmm. was –
1: yeah, it's hard to, you know, like the difference between, you know, MLF and you guys, like on, I know you have, do you, have, so do you have access to that Bass Tracker live? No, we
0: can't, we can't look at so, any of that or.
1: Yeah, and those MLF guys, like they know exactly what you place know, where they're, they're at. at. Yeah. That's
0: interesting.
2: So you're not allowed to, so that was one One of my thoughts was like, you know, cause you guys have a camera crew sometimes. Like, mm presumably when you're doing well that follows you around or is on your boat with you right. or whatever. So if you've got two spots, there's a concern that I guess that somebody would watch it and find out where you're at and move in. I guess Yeah, I had
0: when I fish that on my starting spot, the one that I started on every day, um, there was a group of, of guys that was always there in the morning waiting for me um, to start fishing. There'd be four or five boats waiting like for me hobbyists to start fishing. Or like, fans yeah i mean just fans fans and That's whatnot yeah. and because they knew where i was going to start and i'd tell the media people where i was going to start so they'd all be waiting for me when i got there which hopefully it didn't mess the fish up too bad but obviously it didn't <laughs> <laughs> how yeah, is that I... I
2: mean does that i mean you probably don't want to talk too much shit on it i guess because they're your fans but like
0: no was, i enjoy it you enjoy that oh yeah yeah for sure yeah i don't let it affect sure... me How does the, like, ethics,
1: uh, like, unwritten rules, you know, with competitors, like, go? Because, you know, I fish a lot of tournaments. Obviously nothing like what you're fishing, but, Mm -hmm. you know. I I don't think that needed to be said, but go ahead. uh, I just a couple (laughs) big ones, but, yeah. uh, You know, there's, like, you know, I've never been in a situation where there's that much money on the line. it's, like, Mm -hmm. you know, when money gets involved, people get weird in in any you know, you know, avenue in life. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like I saw that there was another guy. I can't remember what his name was, but he was fishing real close to Jeff on one of those days. Like within Mm -hmm. like, you could throw a rock at him. I'm like, does that ever like play in where you're just like, like, what's the rule? Like, what do you, how do you guys sort of?
0: I don't, there's not like a specific rule, I guess. I mean, there's kind of a rule, but like we all try and work together. Like we're all, (laughs) A lot of all the elite guys are like, we're on the same page. Like we're all trying to make a living. Like we're all trying to cash checks. Like there's no difference between doing all that. So like if we have both found a spot in practice and like that's one of our main areas, like we might as well just go ahead and share it and work together and try and make the cut together. Yeah, we might not win the tournament here. Um, We probably wouldn't have won the tournament anyways if two or three people have found it. So, like, at that point, it's just working together to get paid. And, like, I feel like if you work together instead of, like, like why are you throwing over my line or blah, 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 or, like, I was here first, this and that. Like, I mean, these guys are so good now that, like, a point, like, particularly there was a spot on Lake Oahe that uh, three or four of us shared all three or four days of the tournament. So it's like, hmm. and we all ended up cashing a check there. Because we all work together and we all, you know, all fish are over here, like cast over here, come over here. And like, it just works out better that way when there's no bickering and things like that. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. that
1: that should give some perspective to like the guys in local <clears throat> tournaments that are being right. D-bags yeah. and, you know, getting all mad. It's like, dude, if these guys can work together, you know, those right. guys should. So in the classic specifically, I know you caught large mouth uh, or spots one of the teams. Large mouth, yeah. Okay. Were you throwing swim baits like some of those guys? Like, what, No, I was
0: particularly just flipping um, for the most part. I was just flipping a jig. Um, isolated wood was my main target. Um, <laughs> it was tough though. I mean, I was getting the first day I caught seven keepers. Second day I caught five. Third day I caught five keepers. Um, hmm. The second and third day I caught more shorts. I caught... I think four or five shorts the second day, which under 14 inches. And then the final day I caught, I sat on three fish for the longest time, and I probably caught 15 shorts that day, and it was very frustrating. A lot of 13 to 13 and three-quarter inches. And finally, right at the end of the day, I hooked up with two 14 and a half inches, which for that tournament were, I mean, those were... yeah. Never been so especially happy. for <laughs> like the 14s, last day. dude <laughs> i mean didn't
2: yeah. they like didn't everybody kind of have high expectations for like i remember like seeing something yeah. that they they thought it would be prime they thought it was going to be yeah
0: because what what happened was in practice it was miserable like i i picked the ice out of my guides one day until like three thirty p.m i mean it was terrible like highs in the 20s uh one day and like nights in the 20s every night um, getting up to 40 maybe a couple days and tournament time um 70 75 lows in the 50s 60 like when you have such a change like that right um, At this usually time of it year. makes yeah, yeah I mean I've seen this before though usually it, it's supposed to make it good but mm. when water warms up like that fast compared to like what it was in practice it almost puts the fish into a shock for like a day or two or three, right. which I think is what happened during the tournament. Like if we would have had warm week, the fish probably would have almost been on beds. Um,
1: As I was going to say, they, yeah. they, they can't be that they couldn't have been that far from spawning
0: down there because I, I mean, heard if, yeah, I heard one guy caught a fish off a of bed in the tournament. Yeah. So they but, was like very close, but they were just really weirded out. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes, you
1: know, watching you guys struggle on that, like, whenever, <laughs> you know, whenever, like, Chris and I went out the other day, just struggle bussing, but it, yeah, right. like, it, it reminds you, like, the fish are in charge, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. they're just so, yeah. it doesn't matter how good you are, like, yeah, you can <laughs> catch, you can catch them if you're good enough, you know, and you're using all the tools and stuff, but, like, if their jaws are shut, like, there's just... No. Not a lot you can do, you know, you catch no. catch you know what you can, you know, you find those windows like Chris oh, yeah. and I had the other day when we went out, which you know, who knows? We had a thirty minute window where we were like Crunchy. popping them on, yeah, we mm-hmm. had like boom, 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 and it was like probably well that was probably like eleven o'clock, something like that. Mm-hmm. And we're like, Oh, here we go, here we go. And then it was like whoop, they're done. You
2: know, it was like just shut yeah. off.
1: I don't even, I don't even think we got to buy the rest of the day.
2: Yeah. Uh, We kind of found out later on that the, which we, we noticed it at the time, but the dam released a ton of water, you know, we noticed the water coming up, but about the time it shut off was when they like quadrupled the flow. So yeah, Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) It'll do it. It was a big bubble. (laughs) I was like, we caught, we got up to our first spot again on the way back up. And I was like, my God, I was like, look at that. You know, it's way higher than it was this morning. Yeah. So then we got back to the truck and looked at the, uh, at the gauge and sure enough, they had released a ton of water while we were out and, uh, you know, that'll happen. But anyway, so, so you've got the Bassmaster Classic under your belt. You've got a win on St. Lawrence. What's like, I, I know that you've got a lot of other things that you want to check off, but like. For 2023, for this season, do you have any other like major milestones that you want to hit?
0: Uh, I mean, I feel like I don't want to put my expectations too high for this year just because like last year, obviously, I felt like I could really do no wrong. And like it was my rookie year. So like I'm still I mean, I've only fished, you know, 20 bodies of water in the south to speak of to my name like there's so much more water I haven't never even seen or even, you know, wet a line. in. so I feel like making the Bassmaster classic again is my top priority for this year. And then cause everything else I feel like will fall on the line under that. If I just make the classic stay up in points, um, just keep learning these bodies of water because I'm no expert, um, at these Southern fisheries. So definitely just keep learning. And, uh, Yeah, I don't want to set my expectations too high for this year.
1: Do you? Do you lean a lot? Like that intimidates me. Going, I've fished enough diverse places to know. Like, you get on a body of water that's just like foreign. You know, like some you know Louisiana, you know lake or something. It's just a bunch of cypress trees. It's like, do you? Do you do a lot of research leading up to those tournaments?
0: Yeah, I feel like sometimes the research burns me a little bit um, because I'll like try and eliminate areas that I haven't even like seen or don't think will play in the tournament. So I try and I used to do a lot of research, like a lot, a lot, like just constantly on the map and like forums and like old tournaments and things like that. But um, it seems like when I can just find an area on a specific lake, like on Okeechobee when I did well there this year. Um, I just lived in one area the whole entire tournament, like never picked up my trolling motor. I just feel like if I can find that area myself during that week and not rely on um, research that I did on some old tournament or an area that used to be good or whatever, um, I feel like that I, I can look back now at probably 10 tournaments, you know, so far in my, I guess you could call it my career, um, that I've done well, just because I picked an area on a lake, caught a few fish in it and just milked it for all it was worth and learned it every day. So like, that's what I feel like the whole research part of thing kind of goes for me, but I will, um, kind of like backtailing off of that. I will pick like three zones on a lake. Um, when I say zones, probably like five or 10 mile areas. And so for my three days of practice, I'll pick a zone, fish the first zone. If I don't like it, I'll go to the next zone. And then based off my two zones, um, I'll either go back to one or the other. But if both of them suck, then I go to my third one. And then I based on the three that I picked. But if one of them, the, of the first two days, if one of the zones is better, um, I'll go back to that one, the third day of practice, and try and dial that in more. And then usually when I have my good tournaments, I have – usually it's one of my first two zones that I pick that I caught fish and then I get to expand on it more.
1: Hmm. That's, that's interesting. I would assume I mean, do those you pick are, that really diverse in their yeah. like, different types of cover, different types yeah. of pressure that you're targeting.
0: It, I guess it depends on the tournament that I'm fishing. Like I've had tournaments where um, it's just a complete junk fishing tournament. Like I'm running 50 miles, one direction to fish one dock. And then I'm running 10 miles down the lake to fish one lay down. Like I've had tournaments like that. um, But for the most part, the ones that I can sit in a two mile section and just do, you know, one or two techniques in that area and maybe try and expand on it a little bit more are usually the ones that I do well in. So we just kind of
2: say, less time running more time, just kind of.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. Like when, when you don't know the place, like majority of the time, I don't, if I'm going to fish during the tournament and it's somewhere new, like you don't even know if there's a bass within, you know, two miles of your boat. So it's like, I, I have a hard time doing that during tournament hours. Um, now I will do it if I know I've caught fish there before. But like just going out on a whim and just like oh I just picked this pocket on Google Earth last night I'm just gonna go on there and fish. I mean yeah it might work out sometimes but for the most part it's probably not not the greatest idea.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah that's uh, that's overwhelming to me to go yeah we don't you know do that sort of thing we we I will say the research thing makes sense though because we research the crap out of you know, when we go somewhere new and usually after about the first hour, that's all out the window. You're like, yeah, that's uh." pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. None of that mattered. Uh, you're figuring it out more on the water than you are, Mm. you know, off the water. So,
0: but some Um, of that can help too because it comes in with like instincts and stuff too. Like the stuff you research, you're like, Oh, like, yeah, they've caught them here on this and that. And like, I can kind of see it's not setting up to be like that, but my instinct tells me to pick up a spinnerbait because this windblown bank, you know, it's springtime, and this cove's full of shad. There's a row of laydowns that the wind's pushing up on, just, like, small things like that. Like, even if it was just an area you had researched, but you don't know much about it, um, I can see where it could help, but you really have to, like, pick your research apart and don't make it so broad.
2: Are you guys allowed to, like, get input from... Like say, if you like have a buddy that fishes, whatever lake, are you? Uh, at, I can't.
0: Like, it can't be on any of our tournament lakes that we're fishing, or I mean, we could just talk about fishing on the Wisconsin River or whatever, but we can't talk about like, you know, fishing on Lake Murray here in a couple of weeks.
2: Hmm. So like, you could. Like that's what I mean. Like, if you you've got a buddy that lives on Lake Murray or whatever, and he's like, oh, you should check out this pin, this pin, this pin, that's completely out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I I actually, I thought that was the rule, but you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't really, I don't really follow it that closely, but that's, so everything that you, everything that you fish is either based on past experiences or like, you know, Google earth online, you know, topo maps or depth maps or whatever.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. That's
2: tough, man. I mean, that's, that's really tough. Especially when you look at like, what you just did down in, in Knoxville. I mean, that's like yeah. a huge system, you know, and, mm. or even St. Lawrence. I mean, those are huge systems that, you know, to like sort of find the needle in the haystack and find those, yeah. those little drop off points or whatever. That's,
0: yeah. You know, that's I, tough. I feel like a lot of that, like when I talk about finding the zones or whatever, it's things I like to do. Like on Knoxville, like I love flipping a jig on laydowns. Like we do it all the time at home. And, like, I had a terrible practice, and there was one bank that I thought looked pretty good. I caught one fish off of it in practice, and I basically just planted myself there for, like, five hours and caught, like, four keepers the first day, and then I caught one other keeper somewhere else. And, I don't know, just, like, something about something you love to do and you had a terrible practice and you don't know the place, Um, you just feel like you're going to catch one, you know? Yeah, it's confidence,
2: right? If you have confidence in your presentation... You're gonna leave it out there right. a little bit longer. You're gonna, yeah,
0: right. Yeah. You're gonna see something and go over there and be like, "I know exactly where I'm gonna throw this in and let it sit for a couple seconds and just, yeah,
1: yeah." We all zombie fish at times when you're, yeah, like yeah. right. Just is not going your way and you're, just going yeah, through the right. Missions. Going through and that's the usually motions, when a yeah. freaking five pounder crushes your bait. <laughs> yeah, lift right. on it. <laughs> so had that happen mm-hmm. many times. Uh, so we usually ask a couple kind of, um, like standard questions for guests on the podcast. So first thing I'm, I want to know what's your personal best small mouth? And we do a lot of the measurement stuff. So length. So if you do measure, uh, what's your person, personal best length and or weight? Small
0: so personal best small mouth. I don't know the measurement. Um, if I had to guess, it'd be somewhere around like 22-ish, 22 probably. It was okay. a lot fatter than it was long. Um, I tied it twice. I've caught in a 6-pound, 12-ounce or two times, um, and I mm-hmm. haven't gotten past. It was like 6-12, 6-13, and I haven't hit seven yet. I've been close, but uh, that's the personal yeah. best smallmouth a couple times. Pretty big. We're uh, <laughs> what system? Was that on, on Saint so, Lawrence, Lawrence? Yeah, I caught one on in the tournament, uh, the third day, of Saint Lawrence. So it's that not was a bad time s- for it to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, prior to that, i I had already had a six twelve on Sturgeon Bay the year prior, next to the house in a tournament as well. Hmm. Yeah, and I didn't.
1: Right. I didn't ask.
0: Was that you about Was Sturgeon that the big Bay? fish? Was that the big
2: fish? The Saint Lawrence fish. I missed.
0: I missed big fish by one ounce. Yeah, oh, yeah I know. That's
2: crazy. You that's, took a bigger check on. That... Huh?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's crazy.
1: Uh, so I didn't ask you about Sturgeon Bay a little bit. So I saw on the internet, like, your, that's your favorite like fishery. So mm-hmm. what's what's special about that that you like? Uh, yeah, it's just a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, Sturgeon Bay is where I kind of like got more involved with the bigger tournament scene. So there's a tournament that we have every spring that comes out there that has like a hundred plus boats that come every year. A bunch of guys from Canada always come. Gussie fishes it. Um, A lot of other guys, fighter usually fishes it, Uh, the Johnstons. Um, So that's kind of like where I kind of got my first taste of like real competitive bass fishing. Like when all the guys that, you know, fish for a living come and fish two hours from my house and uh, do that deal. And that's in the springtime. That's in May when the fish come up, not necessarily to spawn they're still very pre-spawn during that tournament and uh it's it's a blast i mean that there, there's years where you can catch 50 to 100 bass in a day and you know there i mean the weights are i've seen a lot of the weights during that time of the year in that tournament that will blow uh lake ontario weights away during that week of smallmouth fishing that we had out there so i yeah. mean there was there's 30 pound bags brought in on five fish out there every year it's Ooh. it's
1: it's very yeah, that's fun. wild so are they like when they move up for for pre-spawn is like what what are you guys catching them on then like most of the time? it's
0: it's honestly a variety of a lot of different things if if most tournaments were allowed to throw the alabama rig a lot of guys throw the alabama rig um swim baits are pretty big a lot of guys throw ned rigs tubes um just your typical springtime smallmouth lures, um, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, ten feet and less. Um, a hair jig used to be a huge player out there until the word kind of got out on it, and I think they see a little too many hair jigs out there. They get they're they're getting a lot smarter the last couple of years, but they're also getting a lot bigger. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, global
2: warming has its perks, you know. You guys can have yeah, a tournament exactly. in early yeah. April in wisconsin Mm -hmm. uh you know smallmouth seem to be getting bigger i don't know they are getting bigger
1: that's
0: that's uh that's maybe we're just getting
2: maybe you guys are just getting better at it you know that might be it too i don't know
0: yeah there's a lot more fishermen now than there was a couple years ago oh yeah
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's that it's crazy how the fish really do like get conditioned to certain presentations i used to like be real cynical about that when everybody be like, Oh, well you can't throw the same thing. And like, but they really do. If they see something enough, like they're just, they get, you know, it's like an instinct thing. Like, yeah, I, last time I bit that I got yanked up, you know, 20 feet, you know, up to the top and on the spaceship. And then they threw (laughs) me back, you know, like that's that is a thing, which, you know, I, I hate the whole, like, you know, fishing like super um like oh the guys are like, oh this is the secret lure, you know. Yeah. But <laughs> but that being said, is what something... is your secret lure? I'm <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was gonna ask you what what's your favorite <laughs> presentation? What what do you like to throw the for smallmouth? What's your like favorite if I had
0: to just pick one? one? Yeah. Uh it would be between probably be between a hair jig or an umbrella rig. I just love okay. the feeling of just winding a bait and just like explosion of your rod when something puts slack in your line, particularly on an A rig. But um, a hair jig bite is that's a fun bite.
1: Hmm. We I've never fished an A rig.
2: That actually could be I'm gonna tie. A very... I'm going to tie an A rig fly and tie about <laughs> 20 <laughs> big game changer flies. Yeah, I'm going to hey. throw it on like a 16 weight. It'll be great. innovate right. dude uh yeah that's honestly
1: in a river that that nobody like in the type of rivers we fish nobody throws those. Right. but yeah. actually it could be like a small a rig you could probably do that like i know they yeah. make one you know that are a little bit more compact so yeah we uh, throw a
0: rig on some rivers at home
1: yeah yeah that's cool um what are, what is our uh, what are our other rapid fire Questions, Chris. You, oh, you usually other do rapid this.
0: fire questions.
2: Okay, if you could fish with one person through yeah. all of human history, who would it be? Oh
0: man, like tournaments or just fun just fishing, fishing
2: or just fishing.
0: Yep. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. It'd probably have to be my tournament partner, Dylan Bench. He's a character, oh, wow. and when I, I don't know. You just something about fishing a tournament with them or just fishing for fun it's just you feel like you're not even like fishing a tournament it's just a good time
1: hey chris i will never answer that i question will never answer you. that question with you either. <laughs> you're my best fishing buddy but yeah I'll, I'll, I'll fish Winston Churchill all day long baby Dylan
2: Minch good for you man yeah <laughs> all right yeah. well that's that's cool uh all right what uh what's the new piece of gear? So what the segment that we usually do is what's new in your box. So what's the new piece of gear that you're excited about uh, putting to use this year?
0: Hmm. Uh, it would probably be, I'm excited to use striking's new tungsten casting jig this year. Um, they haven't had it out for like a couple years and it's been in the works for a couple of years. I'm a huge, I love flipping flipping's like, so I grew up on Wisconsin. We flip basically 100% of the year. There's really not much else we do rather than in the springtime and doing things like that. So I'm a pretty big jig fanatic, and I'm excited to use that jig specifically because it's smaller and a smallmouth can actually fit it inside of his mouth compared to most half-ounce jigs. So I'm right. excited to oh. use that one this year.
2: Strike King's tung- Tungsten Jig. All right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm very good Is uh, strike King one of your
0: uh, sponsors yeah I use a lot of their products I'm very very happy with a lot of the things that they they have come out with
1: who's your uh, sorry I don't mean to interrupt the the um, rapid fire here but sponsor wise who's like your main main uh, supporters
0: so my title sponsor is whitewater fishing which they're a new fishing clothing company that's coming out um, I they're that. coming out. Yeah. yeah, they're coming out with some really nice stuff. Um, they have a few pieces out now, but a lot more coming in here in the near future. And uh, my other two big ones are Striking and Lose. Um, helped me out considerably. Um, love their equipment. Love everything they make. And then, um, Dakota Lithium, Garmin, um, Bass Pro Shops, and Nitro. Those were Nitro is the one that really stepped up to help me, um, fish the Elite Series because prior to getting on the elite series, I only had an 18 foot boat. Um, that's what I qualified in and I needed something that was obviously bigger, especially for the St. Lawrence and all these big places we go to. So, um, yeah, shout out to them for helping me out and getting that's me cool. on the water. Yeah.
1: And you say the whitewater clothing company, that's what, what their name is. Yep. Um, are they, cause I looked them up, um, Cause I saw you like had a couple pictures with some people on your Instagram or whatever. Um, is that like more of a technical gear, like a Sims type of, yeah. So it's going to
0: be like a lot of in depth stuff. Like, um, they have a heated vest that's out now, a fishing heated vest, um, like a soft shell piece of not necessarily rain gear, but it's more of like a cold wear, um, for like windier days and things like that. And then they have a rain gear piece out as well. And just some, good stuff that's coming down coming down the pipe. Chris
1: Chris once almost died of hypothermia on the river. <laughs> so we could get you one of those heated vests, Chris. It might prevent
2: that in nice. the future from it, happening. Might, it might prevent my nipples from showing through my shirt every time I, I get a fish picture <laughs> yeah. I might do that. Asking-
1: Chris, Chris is falling. You fallen in the water. You're starting to get a reputation, bud. You, you keep, <laughs> yeah. you keep falling in. You keep I falling know. in the the river somehow. I do not help how it, dude. Happened. I'm
2: basically half otter. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, jo- Plus, Josh.
2: I keep telling Josh he needs to make a a fishing net jersey. You know that. I mean, he won't do it like, just a, yeah just like, like like a net like a fishing net like a midriff, midriff, a midriff like something cut that off. shows shows yeah. the midriff yeah
0: it'll look really uh, good
2: i think that uh we've taken quite a bit of your time i appreciate you coming on the podcast is there anything else you want to plug anything or say anything jay I mean...
0: uh, oh i mean you guys can uh anybody that's interested in following my fishing adventures i have a YouTube channel that I'm starting this year. I actually have one video out from the first tournament at Lake Okeechobee uh, for the Elite Series, and I actually have my next Lake Seminole Tournament video that's coming out here, um, hopefully in the next couple hours, if I can get it posted tonight. Um, so yeah, I'm doing the YouTube on the Elite Series, and that's about it.
1: That's cool. cool. Is it like a cinematic type of deal? Like, Yeah, um,
0: it's just going to be like... like Right, like the before and after, um, the weigh-ins and the nights of and before and just kind of talking. And then during the day, I have um, my GoPro footage on the boat from all my fish catches and just kind of what happens during the day and whether it's good or bad or if I swear or lose a fish or whatever.
2: <laughs> I mean, do you have an only... OnlyFans yet or, or have you not <laughs> waited in? So I mean that's the big yeah. money, you know? All right. yeah. All right. I know I'm yeah. just waiting my options. <laughs> what, yeah, you never know Title sponsor OnlyFans next year, maybe. Yeah, right. I don't know. Chris has got Something. a
1: hands account. It's a hands, so oh. hands fetish. Look at those babies. Put those in the camera, Chris. We gotta see. No, nah, dude. I've got a nah,
2: you don't want <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, all right. Well,
2: we appreciate you, Jay. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Man. Thank you guys. Uh, we gotta
1: yeah. we gotta get them to do free the fighter. So our sign off yep. is oh. free the fighter. It's like our thing. So can we get a yeah. free the fighter for me? Free the fighter. There you go.
2: All right. Free the fighter. I like all right. it. Sweet. Thanks, Jay. Nice. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, yeah. Jay. Good luck Appreciate for the it, good luck on the rest of the season
0: too. Yeah, thank you guys for having me.